0: I have a sticker on my wall in my home here in Oregon. I still have a home in McMinnville. And I have the same sticker in my home in Kenya. It says, with God, all things are possible. And this morning I shared with you some Hebrew and meanings of words. And if you look up the meaning of all, it means all. All things are possible with God. Amen? And I don't know why, but he's really impressed on my heart to take communion with you tonight. I mean, I know why, but I'm Kenyan, so I'll try to keep it short because I really want to focus and get out of the way and let God minister tonight. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 starting with verse 23. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he said, For I received from the Lord. So remember, the Apostle Paul wasn't in the room, right? He wasn't in the room when Jesus broke the bread with his disciples. But Paul tells us that he received it directly from the Lord, this teaching. And now he delivers it to us, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed. Let's look at that. Let's think about that. On the night that he was betrayed. Have you ever been betrayed? It's very common where I live, betrayal. How did Jesus respond to betrayal? How do we respond to betrayal? Let's think about that. Let's look at that. What did Jesus do on the night that he was betrayed? Before the earth was formed, he knew who was going to betray him. That that's kind of hard for our little brains to get a hold of, but he knew. He knew. So before we go on in in 1 Corinthians, let's look at John to see what Jesus did on the night he was betrayed. John 13, verses 21 through 27. So let's look at John 13, starting with verse 21. We're not going to read what it's uh, referring to. He says, After he had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. That's the word you want to hear at a dinner party, isn't it? And they don't know, even though he's told them several times what's going to happen to him, they don't know really what he's talking about. They don't know that this is their last meal with the Lord Jesus. Then the disciples look at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now think about this. He's been traveling around with these guys for like three years, right? And Jesus knew who in that group was going to betray them. If you and I were traveling around with 12 friends and we knew one of them was going to betray us, we'd probably not instinct, you know, not maybe try to, but we might inadvertently treat them a little differently, wouldn't we? Wouldn't you? I would. I hate to admit it, but I probably would. But they don't have a clue. They don't have any idea who it might be. Why? Because Jesus loves everybody exactly the same. When he said, love your neighbor as yourself, is there more than one of you? So if you're loving everybody the same as we love ourselves, we're loving everybody the same. And this is what Jesus did. He loved them all the same because they didn't have a clue who he was talking about, did he? They're like, who is it? Ask him. (laughs) Simon's like, John, 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 who is it? Ask him. Because they didn't know. Jesus had given no indication in all these years that they had lived together 24-7 who it would be. And leaning on Jesus' bosom was one disciple whom Jesus loved. You can put your own name in there, by the way. We're all the disciple that Jesus loves. And Simon Peter motioned, ask him, ask him, who is it? Who is he speaking about? Then he leans back on Jesus' breast and says, Lord, who is it? Because none of them have any idea. There's been no indication by the way Jesus has treated them for about three-plus years, who that might be. Then Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, when we read that, we think, whoa, you know, he's giving a pretty clear indicator there, but here's what we need to know about this. This was part of the meal. It's called the SOP. And during the Passover meal there was these different things that would be done, and, you know, there's all kinds of debate whether this was a true Passover meal and so on and so forth. But the point is this. The host, who in this case happens to be Jesus, he's the host of the meal. He would take a piece of bread, he would tear a piece off, and he would dip it in some sort of liquid sop sounds like sup soup so he would dip it in the liquid and then it would be handed to the person that he had given the seat of honor at his table and then it would be passed around So you see, when he said, it's the one that I dip this bread and give to, they still didn't get it, did they? They still didn't know who it was because it was part of the tradition. And they just think that, oh, he's just, you know, he's just going through what we always do at this special meal. So this is a special meal. He dips the bread in the liquid, the sop, and he hands it to Judas. I'm not handing it to Bruce. Let me move over here. He hands it to Judas. When his guests arrived, he gave Judas the seat of honor at his table. Are you getting this? This is how he treated the one that he knew was going to betray him. He gave him the place of honor at his table. And when he handed that bread that was dipped in that liquid, Judas still had an opportunity. Because it was more than just handing him a piece of bread dipped in liquid, it was handing him grace. It was handing him love. It was handing him the opportunity to not take it, to not... Do what he eventually did. This is our loving Christ who, to the very, very end, offered Judas a way out. Because as we go on to read, you'll notice that it wasn't until Judas accepted it and most likely ate it that what happens next. He had the opportunity, but He closed His ears and His heart to that offer of grace from His Lord, from His Rabbi. Jesus offered Him divine love, free forgiveness, full restoration. This is what Jesus did on the night he was betrayed. But how do we treat those who betray us? We don't give them the seat of honor at our table, do we? We harbor bitterness, anger, fill in whatever adjective fits. And Jesus taught us and he models what he taught to the multitude of disciples that were on the hillside when he said, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. He modeled that teaching perfectly. And we have the benefit now to be able to look back on it and go, Oh, aha! Right? I mean, how many of you are having an aha moment right now? We read that so many times, and, and, and this is something that was revealed to me fresh just this last year, so I'm really happy to be able to teach it. On the night he was betrayed, he had just washed the feet of the one that he knew was going to betray him. He offered him the seat of honor at his table, and he gave them a way out. He offered him grace and love, and we have a choice. We always have a choice to receive it, the grace and the love, or to close our hearts and our ears to his truth. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Now the disciples that were with him had seen him Lift bread up to the Father and give thanks before. They'd seen him break it. I have to believe that in them seeing him do this at the table, they were like, oh, we've seen this before. What's going to happen? We've seen this before. We've seen him bless and feed thousands of people. What's going to happen next? They were very surprised when he didn't multiply it. He said, take it and eat it. This is my body. For we know that he is the manna from heaven. He taught that, right? He is the bread of life. He taught that. This is my body, which is broken for you. Again, they had no idea what he was talking about. But I have to believe that when he saw his mangled body, they had to thought, oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's what he was talking about. His broken body, the bread. I talked briefly this morning about, you know, becoming flesh of his flesh. It's through communion that that happens. And I'm sure there's some of you as well as myself that that we try to take communion every day. It's the best way to start my day. To remember. To renew my vow. To remember what Christ did in his broken body and his shed blood. And it's the most amazing time of intimacy, communion, co-union. And you learned this morning that's the fear of the Lord. So you're like, why are you talking about communion? I thought you were going to teach us more on the fear of the Lord. I am. Counion. To become one with him, flesh and blood with Christ, to become flesh and blood with Christ. And I, I could spend a lot of time on this, but I just, I really want to get to the meal and wait on the Lord for what he has for us today. Do this in remembrance of me, he said, and he took the cup he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every covenant, again, I challenge you, read the whole thing. Every covenant required blood to be shed. Abraham's covenant, blood was shed. Every covenant, he says, this is my new covenant, And they didn't realize what he meant by that, but he did say specifically, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's so important, my brother and sister, that we remember. But it's much more than remembering, because a covenant is not a contract. The closest thing we have to a covenant is marriage. And when you get married, you take vows, is that right? You make vows to one another, because a contract is easily broken, and I don't want to go into debate about how easy covenants are broken. Okay but a covenant is much much more binding he says this is my new covenant in my blood so powerful so powerful you know there hasn't there's been a lot of beautiful pictures painted of the crucifixion of jesus we've seen you know the passion of the christ and some really, some movies that have been done. And those of you who are chosen fans, we all just are dreading when it gets to that part in this series of seeing that. But you know what? Nothing authentic has been done yet. Nobody has painted an authentic picture of Christ on the cross. As brutal as that scene was in the Passion, it was far, far worse than that. I was going to bring some ground meat, but I didn't. Imagine hamburger hanging on that cross. Because the Bible says he was marred beyond recognition. He looked more like ground-up meat, hamburger. I haven't seen anybody paint that picture. This is what he did for us. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Good news. He's coming back. Thank you for that. Yes, he's coming back. You know, when we hear the gospel message, it seems like that part always gets left out. Right? He's coming back. And he says, do this to remember what I did at the cross. So I'm coming back. Do it until I come again. In Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, it says, they continued steadfastly. Oh, let me back up. 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. They didn't wait. (laughs) It was immediate. They were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. So this is something that they continued to do probably more than once a day. Going from house to house to house, having a meal in fellowship, and saying, oh, do you remember that day? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember what happened on that day of Pentecost? Do you remember... Then he's coming back. of course, they thought he was going to come back really quickly, and here we are 2,000 years later, and we're saying, He's coming back. On the night he was betrayed. And the scripture says that many among you in the church body are sick because of how you've been taking communion. I'll let you read through that yourselves. But the antithesis of that is, if we take the communion correctly, we have health. And I know many, perhaps some of you, take it like medicine. And I've done that, and I can tell you it works. So we're taking communion tonight because I've seen many people healed in the act of Holy Communion because it's the body of Christ that enters our body. And we renew that vow, my body for your body, your body for my body. The broken bread, his body was broken so that our bodies could be made whole. His precious, precious blood was shed. For the forgiveness of our sin, past, present, and future. Remember what Christ did for us.